I know that there are people watching this video and in this room who are not trusting Jesus Christ and therefore can only expect condemnation. And so I'm just going to plead with you. Lay down that rebellion. Lay it down. And simply embrace the gospel that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the righteous one, died for your sins. He was raised on the third day, triumphant over all his enemies. He reigns until he puts all of his enemies under his feet. Forgiveness of sins and a right standing with God comes freely through him alone, by faith alone. Let's have a word of prayer together. God, you are so good to us. It is because you came in the manger that we can know the forgiveness of the cross. You came as a perfect man and as, as God in the flesh. You came to live obediently and to die for us that we might have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, God, we come with just thankful hearts this morning, thankful for all the fun family time we've had, thankful that we're together with our church family 
Thank, thankful that we have life in Jesus. And God, we pray this morning, if someone does not know life in Jesus, they would find life in Jesus today. And God, we also pray that we would just give you all of our worship and honor because you were due it. Thanks for coming. Thanks for dying. Thanks for reigning and being resurrected. And God, we thank you in advance for your coming again. And we pray all this in the name above every name, Jesus. Amen. This morning, we got kiddos in the house. So let's just go ahead and take a deep breath. You're going to hear some crying. You're going to hear some moving. You're going to hear some laughing. You're going to hear some other things. So just go ahead and prepare yourself because Christmas is more fun with kids, okay? And I just broke this because I have a giant head. Let me try another one. Christmas is basically Jesus' birthday party, okay? I broke this again. These are from the Dollar Tree. That uh, didn't work. Look, I got a little noisemaker here. So happy birthday, Jesus. All right, so kiddos, if you're here, yes. Noise, man. It doesn't make any noise, but that's fun. Um, we are celebrating Jesus' birthday, okay? And on Jesus' first birthday, some wise men from the east showed up. Now, we know something. Most likely, they showed up months and months after the manger scene had ended, okay? It's okay. Take a deep breath. I know your manger scene at home might not be correct. If you want to make it correct, put them about 900, but get it to scale and put them about 900 miles away to scale, okay? That's where they were when the whole Advent season happened, more than likely. But it's okay because that, that is all part of his birth narrative, and it's a good part of it because it helps us understand some things. If we remember the wise men, they show up. And they're looking for Jesus, and they, King Herod finds him, and he acts like he's really genuine. Yeah, tell me where Jesus is going to be, okay? And they go to try to look for him, but they, they, they don't want Herod to know. So they ended up, and in Matthew chapter 2, they end up finding Jesus and his parents. And if we're going to pick this up, it'll be on the screen here. Uh, verse 10, when they saw the stars, speaking of the wise men, we don't know if there were three. We just know there are three gifts, by the way, so we don't know. It says, when, the, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, which is, I think, of, how many of you guys watched Charlie Brown this year, right? Anybody? Do you know at the end of the Charlie Brown Christmas special how they dance? You know, the, you know what I'm talking about? That's imagine what I, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I mean, Charlie Brown dance. And we found Jesus. This is probably the culmination of a 900-mile trek with a posse of people and most, most likely being carried by donkeys or camels, 900 miles. Wow. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I bet you they were excited to be there for many reasons. Like, well, yay, we don't have to ride these camels anymore. But also, they found where Jesus was. And then it goes on in verse 11. It says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down, and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, kiddos, I need some help this morning. Let's start off with Katie Lynn. Would you come up here? Let's see. Let me get my microphone ready. Katie Lynn, I have a gift for you to open. This is not like, this isn't for you, but this is for demonstration purposes. Let me make sure I get the right one. All right, you ready to open this? Everybody, I think we need a drum roll before she opens this. Everybody drum roll, please. All right, Katie Lynn, pull that out of there. Ooh, what is it? Um, it's like gold. It's gold, yeah, and it, it's actually ornaments from the Dollar Tree that are gold. Is that real gold? No. No, because they don't sell that at the Dollar Tree. Thank you very much. Now, I'll ask you one more question. Why, why do you think this represents the gold that the wise men brought to Jesus, right? You, you got that. You're already, you're way ahead of me. She was like, duh. All right. 
So why do you think they brought Jesus gold? I don't know. Well, perfect. You're going to find out later on, okay? <laughs> All right, good deal. So we got gold. Yay, Katie Lynn. All right, Judson, it's your turn. You want to come up here? This is my little kid. All right. We got a drum roll for him too, okay? You want to reach in there? Here. Put it up too high. There you go. You get it? Sorry, that lasted longer than it should have. <laughs> this bag is as big as he is. Okay, perfect. What is that, Judson? It's a candle. <laughs> it's a candle. That's right. You could, hey, why do you think I got a candle out? I don't know. Okay, you can go sit down. See, the candle, the second thing they brought was gold. And what was, yeah, thank you. Good job, Justin. The second thing they brought was frankincense. Why, is it, why a candle? Well, I look for one of those. If you ever go in the Dollar Tree, you can actually find the little Catholic candles, unless you want to find one, like I did the other day. Because those, those Catholic candles, they're used, that's used in Catholic worship, Okay frankincense was something that was used in worship. It was a, a kind of a, uh, uh, an incense that was burned on the altar. So this is representing that, because that's the best I could do. So you, you're okay with that? All right. Talk about that in a minute. All right, finally, Brinson, I told you, you got your chance, all right? Everybody's here for Brinson. Drum roll. Okay. Let's see what you got in there. What is that? Spray paint. No, it's actually not spray paint. Can you see what it is? That's you ever use this at your house? You know, any idea? This is actually air freshener. I'm sure you've used this at your house. I use it at my house all the time. Why do you think air freshener? I don't know. I don't know. Good. All right, good. You know what? Perfect. We're going to find out. Yes, there you go. Here for Brenton. All right. Can you see these? Here's what I hope to do today. I hope to give you a reasoning behind the three gifts that were brought. Most of the time, people think of their, that there were three wise men. There could have been because there were three gifts. We don't know. But they all brought these gifts to Jesus, and they brought them a long way. They brought them from 900 miles away. Obviously, these had some significance. Obviously, these things were important. And I want us to think about the importance of these things and ask the question, why were they brought, and what is our response? Why were they brought, and what is our response? The first thing, we go back to gold, represented by these gold ornaments. They're not gold. Why do you think they brought the gold? Well, the gold was a sign and symbol of royalty, and it's always expensive. Think about all the commercials you've seen leading up to Christmas, right? That's Jared, okay, or any of them. Your wife always wants gold, okay, all right? Maybe she doesn't. She might like platinum because she likes to spend money. I'm kidding. Okay. Maybe you're one of those guys who likes gold, likes the gold chains, all right, whatever. Gold is, has been for centuries a symbol of, of, of wealth, a symbol of an extravagant, expensive gift. It's also something that kings would have had. And so we see Jesus coming in with gold as a present from the wise men. And the second thing, we have a candle. Obviously, this was not what they had, but it was frankincense. Frankincense was a... All the things, have you been in a department store and smelled the perfume area? Some of you love that. To me, it's like getting hit in the face with sinus problems. I mean, that's exactly what it's like. They, it takes a lot to produce that much fragrance. They do a lot to do that. In fact, in, if you think about in the, the biblical era, how much they would have to do, they actually would get this stuff that we're going to call frankincense here, they would get it from trees. 
and they would distill down the resin of this stuff till it made something that smelled really pungent. And if you can imagine, it was a long process, it was a difficult process, and any process that takes a long time and is very difficult is very expensive. And so they brought to him frankincense. And here's a lot of, they used it for different things. They used it to help things smell better. But a lot of times it was used, in fact, it's prescribed in the Bible as something that was used in worship. On the altars, they would burn frankincense. And it represented praise going, or prayers going up to God. You can see how that would represent that, right? You can see how that would be symbolic because you see that smoke go up and it just kind of disappears and it has idea of like praise and worship going up to God. And so frankincense was the second thing that was brought. It was expensive, just like the gold. Hope you're noticing the theme. And finally, we got myrrh. Now, I, <laughs> there's a lot of ways we could have gone with myrrh. But myrrh was used to help people stink less. Okay? Now, it's the Middle East. It's ancient times. Baths were not easily found or available. They had some running water in the Roman Empire, but they're on the outskirts of the Roman Empire living in Judea. It's not like they were going to be smelling very good. Most of their lives, in fact, most of the houses there, if you, if you have any sorts of wealth, you had animals living in the house with you. Now, they weren't living on the, the, the living quarters. They would live up below the area. There's stables, there's sheep, there's, there's different things. So people used to take myrrh, which was also a lot like frankincense. It was something they got from a tree, and they, they, they distilled it down. They got its essence, and they would, they would use that to make, some people would put it in their garments, kind of like deodorant, or maybe like Febrezing yourself, so you wouldn't smell as bad as you actually smell. Now, I imagine it being a lot like going to camp with middle schoolers. I love you middle schoolers, all you are there, but you all smell like B.O. and Axe Body Spray. It's just how it is. And they try to hide the B.O. with the Axe Body Spray, and then you just get B.O. and Axe Body Spray. Well, that's what they were doing in the Middle East without the Axe Body Spray. They would take the myrrh, and sometimes they would put it in their clothing to reduce the stank, okay? They would also use this for funerals. They would use this to put, when they wrapped the body and prepared a dead body for internment in a tomb, they would put myrrh all around it to help that decaying flesh stink less. It was a whole part of the process. So I want you to know something first. These guys come, as we look back in the scripture, in verse 11. And going to the house, they saw the, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. So they're coming to worship Jesus. And as part of their worship, they bring these gifts. In verse 11, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want you to know, first off, just to see this, all of these gifts are very expensive, these are gifts that cost something, and they bring them to Jesus. This is not like they went to the Dollar Tree, okay? With nothing wrong with the Dollar Tree, but these are not like that. If I, listen, you got Christmas time with your wife here, and this is my wife, Amy. I want you to know that's not it's mine. It's my wife, and so I got her this. I got her a bracelet, okay? You can come up and check it out later and tell her how good a job I did later. It'll be fine, Okay? I got her this bracelet from a nice place. Had I got the bracelet from the Dollar Tree, as fine as Dollar Tree is, they got many 
wonderful gifts that you can get at Dollar Tree. But if I come to her with a Dollar Tree bracelet that in a, like in a half a second is going to turn her arm completely green, is she going to be very excited about that or think that I care very much? No. Yeah, she'll, be, she'll be excited, but not in a good way. Like, yeah, okay? Actually, she'd probably, oh, bless his heart. He lost his mind, okay? Probably what she would be because she's nice, all right? So, um, so anyway, I hope she would. I don't know. We haven't tried that. Maybe I'll test it next year. We'll let you know, okay, how it works out. But this is a, is a sign. When you give something nice and something big, an elaborate gift, what, it's, a, it's an expression of love and of admiration. And so all of these gifts are costly and worthy of a king because the gold for sure is something that a king would need. And Jesus is the prophet, priest, and king we see in the, te- in the, in the Bible. And these gifts, they're symbolic because they represent him being king and prophet and priest. He's king. He's got the gold. Kings have gold. He got the priestly nature of Jesus is represented in the frankincense, which is stuff burnt on the altar to go up to show the praise of God. And so they brought something to worship Jesus, and it's connecting him with Old Testament worship. And finally, they brought myrrh. Very expensive as well. It's costly, but why was it brought? It was brought, why was it used? For the dead. Even in the manger, the cross was present. Even in the manger, the cross was present. So I want you to think something. We see that all these gifts were costly. All these gifts were represented or symbolic. And I think all these gifts remind us of something that we, that, that we owe Jesus. What do you think about it? Jesus, uh, talking to, trying to get Judson to understand this, talking to him all the time, asking him the question. Let's see if he'll do it this morning. I don't know if he will. Jesus, hey, Judson, why do we give presents on Christmas? Did you hear that? Let me do it again. Hold on. Judson, why do we give presents on Christmas? Because it's Jesus' birthday. That's right. <laughs> that was loud. I've been trying to teach him that, trying to teach him that, because it's, man, I tell you, you guys just experienced this a few minutes ago. How amazing is it when you give your kids some gifts and you hear them go, oh, my gosh, okay, and then like freak out, and they tear stuff open. It's an awesome feeling. And sometimes that can overshadow what is the real reason for Christmas and Christ. And so one of the things I've, I've been trying to do, sometimes successfully, sometimes very unsuccessfully, is to try every time we talk about presents and gifts, to say, why do we give gifts? We give gifts because Jesus, it's Jesus' birthday, but also want him to know and him, we give gifts because Jesus was this gift of infinite worth. He is this gift of infinite worth. And because of that, it's kind of like this. He gives us this gift that can't be repaid. It's such an amazing gift. We, we don't want, it's not like we're doing that reciprocal gift thing. Well, you got me a gift, so I have to give you a gift, and that, that never ends. No, it's like you're giving me this like amazing gift that you've come for me, in my sin, you've, you're coming for the cross to die, so I might have life, I don't deserve it, but you came and you humbled yourself, you left the glories of heaven, and you came to the earth, and you were born in a manger, and you took on all of the frailties of humanity, and you lived this perfect life. Man, what a gift I can't ever repay. And so these, these wise men, they come and they bring a gift. Now this gift is nothing compared to what has been given, 
but they bring gifts in response. And so I want us to think, these gifts are costly. These gifts that the, that the wise men bring, they're costly, they're symbolic, but mostly they're in response to who Jesus is. And I call us this morning to give a gift to Jesus. Your gift will not match his. His is infinite in worth and value. His gift, your gift, he does not need. It's like giving me a pair of shoes. I don't need them. As you know me, I got more than whatever. He does not need our gifts, but he certainly requires them. You ever heard the song, In the Bleak Midwinter? It's a really, really uplifting Christmas song, okay? At the end of the song, it says, what could I give him poor as I am? If I was a shepherd, I'd bring a lamb. If I was a wise man, I would do my part. But what can I give him? I give him my heart. And so, in response to the greatest gift, we see that the wise men brought gifts. These gifts were expensive, and they were symbolic. And I call us to follow their lead this morning and to present our lives to Jesus in worship and in sacrifice as a gift. Not a gift that he needs. Not a gift that is reciprocal in the sense of, uh, you know, he got me some, so I got to get him something. But a gift that is necessary and good and is worthy of the great gift that was given. You know, we spent quite a bit of money buying Christmas presents for Judson. And how would it be if, I came, if he came up to me and offered, Dad, in response, I gave you something for Christmas, and he drew me a picture and handed me the picture, and it was a really nice scene of us at Christmas. And I said, <laughs> I, got, I spent several hundred dollars. This, like, cost you two seconds, whatever. Would you do that? Why? Because it was his, he was out of his poverty, he was giving out of, the, out of his heart. And that, that is where we are. We have nothing to bring to Jesus except for our hearts and our lives. And, and, and here, is, here is the Christmas gift that you should give the king who gave the bigger gift. It is all yourself. And how does that look? Because sometimes we use these high, high-minded terms, these big-minded terms. What does that mean? Here's an example. Have you been walking in unrepentant sin for so long? Turn from that sin as, as worship to Jesus. Worship's not just songs. Worship involves our attitudes and our actions. So if you've been walking in unrepentant sin today as a reciprocal gift to Jesus, as a gift that says, I don't have much, but I give you my heart, turn from that sin and turn to him. And maybe you know it's going to be a, a long road. It often is when we try to kill sin. Just make today the start of it. You say, I repent and I'm coming back. And so if you're walking in that unrepentant sin, make that, make that turn, turn in repentance as a gift that, is, that Jesus deserves. Secondly, if you're in a place where you're just indifferent, you're indi- like, you realize that your heart is cold towards the things of God. You show up, you show up at church, you show up at the Bible study, but your heart is indifferent. I encourage you today to start making steps of love and affection toward Jesus. What does that look like? Waking up five minutes earlier than you would just to spend a few minutes in prayer. Like just, I know it's going to be difficult because you've been out of the habit for a while. Just, just 
take, just work on it. Start reading the Bible. I know it may be difficult to you right now, but just, just put your heart there. It's a, it's a step. It's a small thing, but what it is, it's a small offering of a gift to Jesus. And so here's my, here's my, my plea and my prayer for all of us this day, this awesome day. We've given gifts. Look at this. You cannot repay the gift that was given in Christ, but you can make a gift of love that's just like a child's gift of turning from your sins or turning towards him in some way this week, and this, this day. And I pray that Christmas would be a time where we would give him a gift of our obedience. Give him turning from where we've been in sin. Give him that to God, we want to I'll take my affections, let me love you more. I want to turn from my coldness and turn towards you. And we're going to do that in a symbolic nature through communion this morning. So if we would, let's bow together and take a moment. If you would, just spend a few moments preparing your heart to take communion. And we ask our deacons to come forward and beginning passing out that communion. I'm going to ask everyone to stand, please, for communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. When he had broken, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. In a similar manner, he took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink. As often as we eat this and drink this, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. We are going to sing a song of adoration now. So please remain standing as we sing, O Come, Let Us Adore Him.
Let's sing. that again. going to end and dismiss with these words of benediction. The angels, they proclaim this on the night that Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That is the message of Christmas here, that God is pleased with man through the blood of Jesus and only through that. Go in his peace. Enjoy your day. Merry Christmas and God bless you all.